If you are new with us or if you've been around for a long time, you might say, why aren't we part of a denomination? And I'm not going to tell you right now, that's a long story. <laughs> but um, even though we're not part of a denomination, we have several really important connections with other organizations and ministries that are really valuable to us. I'm going to start wide and come back because it says in Acts 1-8, we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as you can see, we really care about the ends of the earth here because we have our flags, but we also care about Jerusalem and what's local. And Samaria is just like a little farther out. Maybe it's um, San Pete or Juab County or, or Daggett County or, you know, like the county is just a little bit farther Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we, we have a heart to be connected at all those levels and to sow into those things because that's what the Holy Spirit empowered us for. We are connected with World Outreach, and Ben and Rachel and Cheryl Brazell represent World Outreach, and Ben and Rachel are going to be here this summer. We're so excited to have them with us, and we learn so much from pastors and leaders from the developing world. They have different ways of seeing Jesus. They have different ways of relating to one another that we can learn from. So we're so thankful for that connection. Uh, locally, we work with the Vine Institute, which hosts the Global Day of Prayer. Be here June 5th. It is mind-blowing. It's Revelation uh, 21. Every tribe and tongue worshiping and praying together. It's so cool. And then... This week, I've been meeting with Loving Utah, which is a network of pastors, and I'll tell you what, if you could just experience the unity and the passion in the room, it was mind-blowing to me, the um, hearts, I mean, just every one of those pastors just weeping and crying out for God to move in our land, and how do we reach people who are hurting, and, and how do we love them, and it just filled my love tank ministry-wise because I was like, I'm with people who just want to love on people and how do we figure out how to do it best? And I just want you to know that we, as this church, we support Living Utah. We're part of that network. And um, that's what we get to be part of. Um, David's Tent, we have Tiffany Bueller here with us. And in a minute, I'll ask you to come on up. David's Tent is a worship organization. It's all about just loving on Jesus, pouring out our adoration and our focus and getting away from everyday things to go and meet with the Lord on retreats and on special events and just to lavish our love on God. And you know what? We cannot go to Jerusalem. We cannot go to Judea. We cannot go to Samaria unless we're spending time in the presence of the Lord, right? Unless we are loving God. What is the first commandment? love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's something about that. And I just, I'm so thankful to God that that's how we've part, that God has allowed us to partner with other people in that way. And I want to make sure you all know about that. So Tiffany, come on up. Uh, Tiffany is a longtime friend of our church. Uh, she and Justin we're so thankful for Justin and their family. Um, they're Mike and Diane's um, kids. My, Justin is Mike and Diane's son. And so uh, we've just known him for 20 plus, 20 plus years. We're not good at math. 
but it's just, <laughs> I'm not good at math. I shouldn't speak for you, but um, <laughs> I'm just so thankful um, to have Tiffany here. Tiffany is managing director for David's Tent. And uh, some of the gifts that she imparts to me, just as a friend and co-laborer in Christ, is a real gift for unity in the body of Christ. I just got to go to England, and I was just like, this is mind-blowing to me. We had plumbers and electricians, and we had actors and worship leaders, and we had um, a lots of Anglican church. Most of them are kind of Anglican church members and charismatics and um, just all of these different people coming together just to worship. And I was like, oh Lord, I wanna be able to hold that kind of space and facilitate that kind of space for that kind of diversity to come together. And um, she's just an incredible leader and I'm so thankful for everything I get to learn from you. And I'm really thankful for her as a friend and as a champion of us. She prays for us, she cheers us on, she encourages me and some of you in this body. So let's just welcome Tiffany. <laughs> Thank you. It's so awesome to be here. I, um, I love the fellowship. It's like home. This is the church that when I, when I got saved 20 something years ago, we're just in that range. We're just the long, the more you add to that number, the older you are, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you're, <laughs> if you're on this side of the hill, you know what I mean? Um, when I got saved, this is where I, I grew up. This is where I grew up. I spent lots and lots of time with Corky and Sharon. Um, Corky actually married Justin and I 22 years ago in February here in Salt Lake and um, have just really gotten to know Aaron and Sarah so much over the years and have just been so impacted by so many people in this community and really feel like this is home. Um, so every time I get to come back here and worship, it's just it's so precious. It's like being around the table with family. So I love that. Um, and it's just a, it's a delight and a privilege to be here and to just share my heart with you guys today. Um, I wanted to start out by, I'm going to talk about con uh, connection today and just kind of titled this encountering God through other people. And so I want to start out by asking um, a question, ask you to think about or ask the Lord even to draw to your memory a time that you have connected with somebody and it's been a moment, whether that's been through coffee or like a chance meeting with a stranger or a minister or a family member that you've, you've felt something very special happen in that time of connection, that you felt like it was a divine appointment. It was a moment that God sort of spoke through somebody else to you. So I'll just give you a minute to kind of think about that and let the Lord show you call to memory. So when I asked the question, I have a story for you guys, just to give a little bit of an example. Um, my, my experience with somebody that, that was a deep connection or seemed like an encounter with the father actually happened in jail. <laughs> so before I met Justin and before I began to come to church here, I had 
And before I met Jesus, I had a not so beautiful past. It's quite a colorful lifestyle. And so actually just after I met Jesus, I was still in the process of getting cleaned up. And I um, was coming back from England, or not England, sorry, coming back from Austria. And I had decided to bring just a little bit of a souvenir in the form of hashish marijuana in my shoe, <laughs> just to share with my friends, you know, they didn't get to go. I wanted to share with them. I'm just kidding. It was not a good choice. And it landed me in jail in Atlanta as I got off the airplane. So, um, so I'm, I'm a baby Christian. I'm brand new. I have just met Jesus. I have encountered unconditional love and I know that he loves me, but my paradigm at that time was that I needed to be not doing things like this. I needed to be on the straight and narrow. And I'm not saying that you don't need to be, but for me, I was terrified that I had really, I had really done something wrong. I had, I had really, you know, made the Lord angry with me and I was quite new in my walk with Jesus. So I get to jail and I'm sitting in this cell in the jail cell and I am the minority 19 year old girl just no street smarts whatsoever in Atlanta um, with prostitutes and drug addicts and other, you know, obviously people who are in jail for doing certain things. So I did not know what was going on. I, I was sitting there like, this is going to get crazy really quick. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I had this beautiful encounter with a, a young woman. She came over and she sat next to me in the cell and she said, I don't know why I'm here. I've been getting my life cleaned up. I was at home in the bathtub with my kids and the police knocked on my door with a subpoena and brought me in. I don't even know why I'm here. She said, I actually think I'm here to protect you. And she said, can I sit with, can I be with you? Can I, can I protect you? And of course I'm like, yes, are you kidding? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do in here. This is nuts. And so she just stayed with me until I got let out. And, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm just by the, you know, surface judging that I did in that space, um, you know, cause you've got to kind of assess the situation. I definitely, I definitely do believe that she brought some protection to me, but more than anything, what she brought me was an encounter with the love of God. Because my understanding at that time was that I should actually sit in jail and kind of rot because I'd made a poor choice and wasn't worthy of the love of Jesus. So to be met with love, the first moment that I was in that space absolutely changed my perspective of God. And it began a true relationship with him where over and over and over, I learned how to encounter the unconditional love of God. So I'm forever grateful for that connection and that time that I had with this woman. I don't know her name. I never called her afterwards, but I have thought of her ever since I tell the story and it transformed my life because she was somebody who spent time and, and met me with love. So I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of connection. We were, we were created for connection. We actually have an innate need for connection. This is how God made us. And something that I've kind of been studying in this last uh, couple of years is this philosophy theology that I came across um, in the middle of COVID. 
thank God for COVID. We all got to read a lot more, think about life a lot more, consider things. So um, I came across this philosophy called the I-Thou philosophy. Um, the gentleman's name is Martin Buber, and he is an older Jewish philosopher that is um, widely influential. He, he, he wrote all of his, I mean, he lived, I think he was born in the late 1800s, so a lot of his influence was in the early 1900s, but just highly influential in government, in the church, in the Jewish community, and um, in politics even. And so I'm going to try and summarize his philosophy. It's very hard to understand when you first read it because it's all high philosophical language. When I bought the book or when I got the book sent to me, it said on the front of it $1.25. So if that tells you anything about the time that it was released, is there anything that's $1.25 anymore? Not even the dollar store, right? <laughs> Not even a Costco hot dog. What's happening with our world? So his philosophy is that man encounters the world in, in two ways, with two approaches, two attitudes. The first being the I-it relationship. So I being I and it being anything else that I experience, but it not necessarily being the experience. It can be um, our professions. It can be the things that we're trying to acquire. It can be things that we're trying to identify ourselves with. It can be um, our, our information that we take in. It doesn't necessarily require connection. But the problem, and this is what Martin Buber is talking about, the problem with our I-it connection is that we have placed people into the I-it connection. And they have become things that we take from rather than things that we connect to. And that we are actually meant to have connection with one another, that God created us for connection with one another. So our I-thou relationship, so the other way that man approaches the world, is through this I-thou relationship, which is connection. So we're meant to connect with God through relationship. We're meant to connect with one another through relationship. And then there's other things, experiences that we have connection to, but nothing apart from God and humans do we have this level of connection that he talks about as the I-thou, okay? I hope I've made it somewhat clear. So basically, he states that the I-thou connection is what it establishes the world of relationship. And he just believed that um, even taking it another step that in relationship with one another, if we have an intentional connection and we truly are present, not just there to take, but we actually approach a connection with somebody else, that we actually meet God in that space. We actually connect with God through one another. And I want to unpack this a little bit because it's, it's somewhat confusing. We're humans. We heard earlier that the, the, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second commandment is for us to love one another as we love ourselves. So what does that look like? Can we encounter God through one another? 
And Martin would say that if we approach the world with the I, it connection, then we're missing it. If we're approaching our relationships with one another, then we're missing a very profound connection that we're meant to have with God through one another. He, he makes one more statement that I want to talk about, which is all true living is in meeting. And what he's basically saying is that the essence of life, our human existence together is actually through connection, through relationship, through knowing one another. And it's become, it's become an issue. There's so many people in isolation. 2020, last couple of years did not help that one bit. But I think I look at the last couple of years and I feel like there is an authentic hunger in all of us as human beings to find true community again, to find true connection with one another. And so what he's not saying is that we got to go to a meeting and that's the only way we truly live. What he's saying is that there's something beautiful, beautiful. There's something actually spiritual for us to find in connection and community. So the question is, first of all, can we know God through knowing others? I absolutely believe that we can. But the other question is, does Jesus care about this in relationship to the gospel? Does he care about connection? And I think we, that he absolutely does. One of the things that we know as believers is that we have to prioritize and make space for our relationship with God. And that all of that depends on our engagement. It depends on our posture and the way that we approach God and how much we prioritize that. And I believe that even more so, we have to do that in this second commandment of loving one another. We have to be intentional, we have to look for it, and we have to approach our connection with others in a different way. Satan is the biggest divider. He loves to divide. That's what he's done. He's divided us in our relationship with the Father, and he has divided humanity. He continues to do it on the regular. But the great thing about us is that we know the connector. We know the creator and we know the one who has created relationship. And so we have keys and I get excited about what's ahead for the church, for the body of Christ, because we actually hold what the world needs. We hold the key. So Jesus cares about connection. The very words that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross he could have prayed anything, get me out of here. He did, he did want the cup removed from him, or he could have prayed, Lord, would you just bring your judgment on these people? I think sometimes we've all maybe prayed that, not, you know, for various things. He could have prayed anything, but what he prayed was make us one, Father, as you and I are one. That was the prayer before he took the choice to go to the cross. He cares about connection and relationship. He cares about us being reunited to God, but also being one with one another. That's exactly 
the reason he stated as he made that choice. So I believe that he truly cares about connection, so much so that he would go to the cross. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. All of the world is waiting to be met by love. All of the world. Every single human being on planet Earth has an innate need for connection. And not just connection, but being met by love, which is what Jesus brought. Jesus meets the world with love. And this is why we in this room love Jesus, because we've all been met by love. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> Y'all are ameners, I see. So John Mark McMillan, you guys, have, we probably sang this here a million times, I'm sure. He sings this song that not everybody loves the lyric to, but in heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. You love it. <laughs> I know some churches in England, they change it. They don't. I think it's like with an affectionate kiss or something like that. <laughs> Leave the sloppy wet side out of it. But it's, it's a picture of how much the Lord just runs to meet us. The story of the prodigal son, you know, where the son has been out just squandering everything, losing it all. He's making the worst decisions of everything the father taught him. And when he comes down the road a long way off, he gets... I'm sure that dad crying, you know, putting his shoes on, there he is. I am going to go and he's going to know how much I love him. Runs out of the house, runs down the road, probably tackles him to the ground and meets him with the wildest sloppy wet kiss because that is who the father is. He is love. So the father came to meet humanity, the creation that he created, and he could have done it in any other way, but he did it through the sacrifice of his own son because he is so fiercely passionate about reconciling us back to not just be numbers on the shelf for him. Well, this is how many souls I have in my kingdom, but the whole idea is that he's reconciling us back to him for true, genuine, authentic relationship. And not even just genuine, authentic relationship, oneness. Oneness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, oneness. So Jesus cares fiercely about connection and relationship. 1 John 7 or sorry, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God. Sorry, here's this is where the old eyes come in. <laughs> whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him, so that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is so key. This is just so key. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I was always like, so curious about this. How is your love made perfect in us through the outpouring of our love to other people? There is a mutual exchange that happens. There is a meeting of God in the midst of where two or more are gathered. And it may not be two two believers. And actually, most often it's not. There is a love that's perfected in us as we love other people. And this is our greatest call over and over again. We're going to see this throughout, throughout what I'm saying today is that this is our greatest commandment. People are desperate for love. People are desperate to be met by love. So Dr. Vivek Murthy was the 19th Surgeon General, and he just recently wrote a book called Together. Uh, recent as in like, I think 2019. So he wrote this before the pandemic. And he basically in this book talks about the power of connection and how much we need it as somebody who's sat in the seat of the Surgeon General and has looked at all of the health concerns across across the nation. And in this book, he has a whole bunch of statistics that basically outline that isolation and loneliness are one of the most dangerous health concerns facing our nation right now prior to 2020. It's potentially even worse now than it was. So in a sense, there's a huge mission filled out there of people who are just lonely and isolated and need to be met by love. In that kind of season of uh, 2020, and I don't want to belabor it because we all are just done talking about the pandemic. Am I right? I can get, yeah, there's an Ava. get an amen. Um, because I, because I work with, um, all different denominations and streams, and I have such a heart for unity. I was really struggling with this aspect of isolation and division, and even what felt like quite a, a disunity in our, in our bodies, in the church as a whole. And, And so I just really, you know, I was like, Lord, how are you going to connect us again? Connect us in, in individuals and communities and regions. What is this going to look like? And on my own journey, I felt like the Lord, um, brought me to, uh, a theological philosophical concept that has really helped me and actually transformed the way that I see this connection with other people. And this concept is called Imago Dei. And basically what Imago Dei is, it's the Latin uh, term for the, every man being made in the image of God. So Genesis 1, 26 and 27, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is like 
one of the most marvelous mysteries, I think, you know, that we have been made in the image of God. And that suggests that there is God in us, that we are like God. I'm not saying we are gods. And there's been theological, uh, philosophical people for years and years and years and years who have actually tried to get their head around this concept of man being made in the image of God. But I believe that what, what, what truly I felt like the Lord has spoken it to me is that every person that I see in front of me is somebody that I am meant to see God in. An image is a reflection. And when we look at a reflection, we actually see ourselves. And this is what's really interesting about what Martin Buber says is that actually when the I-thou relationship is established, this is what I loved, is that you end up learning more about yourself. When you learn to connect with people and you meet God in that connection, you actually learn, you get to see the reflection of yourself through that true connection. So there's something powerful about our own identity that comes in learning how to love others and be present in connection with other people. Catherine Tanner was a theologian who's a professor at Yale Divinity. She she, uh, defines Imago Dei as the ecstatic impulse or urge to connect to others, a shadow of the Trinitarian life found in our need for community. As Jesus went to the cross and he prayed, make us one father as you and I are one. This prayer of connection of oneness is meeting our innate need of being in community, of being known by one another, of being known by the Father. I believe that's why it's the first and second commandments, to love the Father and to love each other. That's the most important thing he talks about. There's a story that Henry Nouwen uh, tells, and I'll just try to paraphrase it really quick because this really did change the way that I began to see others. There's a priest in a village, probably somewhere in Africa, I can't quite remember, And there's been a murderer in the village who has executed somebody. And so they come to the priest and it's the priest's uh, basically duty to decide what happens to the murderer. Are they going to execute him or not? And so he takes some time. He's never met the murderer. He doesn't know him. He just knows the, the deed. And so he takes some time to basically reflect, look at the Bible and the action and make a decision. And so he decides to execute this man. After the execution has taken place, he's visited by an angel. And the angel says to him, if you would have met him and you would have talked with him, you would have made a different decision. It's really easy to to make a decision outside of a meeting when we don't know the heart of another man. Our lack of connection causes us to make conclusions about one another that keep us at a distance and treat the world with the I it rather than the I thou. But we can make changes. We can make changes. And I believe that 
these changes are absolutely profound. And it's pretty simple, actually. Jesus suggests that it's literally just about our heart posture. It's about how we approach one another. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to kill, still, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand. The hired hand in this story is functioning in the I-it dynamic of relationship. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I, Jesus, am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I am known and they know me and I know them. True connection, true relationship. I know you and you know me. You would lay down your life for me. He doesn't just shepherd his sheep. He knows them. I think one of the most beautiful things about being redeemed of God is the sense of being known, the sense of being loved, holy, truly. It's always love. It's always ever going to be love. It's never going to be anything else. It's always going to be love. That was Jesus' approach to the whole situation, to humanity to lay down his life, to no one be known. He goes after the one. So I have a couple of just scriptures that show his command for us to love one another. And this one I really love. I just put it up here, James 2.8, because I just love, <laughs> I love this translation. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing really well. I just love that about scripture. Sometimes there's like these real poetic, you know, sort of things that are really intricate and mysterious. And then there's just like real practical, logical. If you do that, you're doing really good. You got this guys. It's this simple. It's this simple. John 13, 34 says a new commandment. I give you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I always found the second commandment challenging. You know, I was like, I totally got the first one. I can worship my face off for days on end. I do that pretty much for a living, <laughs> for a vocation, for ministry, for life. But the second one is hard because we're different. We're different to one another. We don't look the same. We don't act the same. We're made individually, uniquely, uniquely. However, we are all made in the image of God. And there is something that we're all meant to draw out and even learn from one another. I don't wake up every morning and I'm like, oh gosh, it's going to be the best day. I cannot wait to love my neighbors. And if you do, some of you might, I probably Mike does. I'm pretty sure he does. He probably is sweeping their driveways before everyone wakes up. 
he's definitely making coffee and, and smoothies for those of us who are still sleeping. But even if you do, by the time you hit social media or any news, you pretty much dismiss half of humanity. Can I get an amen? I'm guilty. And I think that, I think it's a challenge, but this is the key. He wouldn't say it over and over again. It's only two, two um, passages downward in John 15, 12. He says it again. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Another key highlight of the relationship that Jesus is fostering with us. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, that you should, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you so that you would love one another. It's about the approach. The I-it approach that Martin Buber is talking about is our approach to humanity being I need something from you, or I don't need you at all. And actually, Jesus' approach is, I love you, and I, I have love, and I can be, I am your encounter with love. After I spent time really considering this, and I really asked the Lord, Lord, help me to see the image of God in all of these people that I haven't been able to in the past. I'm talking about grocery stores and neighbors and it's not, our neighbor isn't just our neighbor across the street. That's kind of easy. Our neighbor is every other person on the planet. And yeah, we're not going to be in direct relationship or deep friendship with everyone, but we have a call. We have been redeemed. We have met love. And so we have that encounter with God for others to meet with us, but we have to be intentional about it. And we have to approach the world in a different posture. Humanity is broken. Nobody's going to be perfect for us to find them and just, it's going to all work out. Yeah, we have great friends and we, you know, there's great people in the world, but there is brokenness. And we are the encounter with love if we choose to be. But it's a choice. Stanley was saying earlier, we have to choose to love other people. We have to be intentional about it. We have to wake up in the morning and be like, I, I want to love people today. I want to encounter God through others. I want to actually see God in other people and learn something that I've never learned before because they're different to me. Humanity is broken, and that's why Jesus came. So the things that hinder our connection, I'm going to wrap up now, um, is fear. If it's not love, it's fear. We're afraid, or we're insecure, or we want people to like us. We're distracted. 
we're doing this all the time, or we're just busy running around, and we haven't even stopped to learn how to love the world yet. We have to look for the Imago Dei. We who are alive in Christ, we have the key. We have the key. We've been given it. This is what's so encouraging. There may be a world full of isolation and disconnection, but we have the key, the one who went to the cross to make us one. We know how to meet the world with love. The question is, can we change our perspective? I have so enjoyed in this last couple of years that I have tried to see the Imago Dei in others and to genuinely connect with people. And I will say that I am very conscious that I have to be present and I have to be very intentional about it. And I have been coming away with experiences like the one that I talked about in the jail cell. People are transforming my life through an encounter. I may never talk to them ever again, but they're transforming my life because I'm choosing to engage and I'm getting to draw from the Imago Dei that's inside of them. And maybe they're being met with love too. And I really hope that they are. And that it down the line is a story that they talk about like the, the woman in the jail cell, like I have. I'm so grateful that the Lord found me in the jail cell and encountered me with love that blew my mind. It just blew my mind. And first of all, if you're getting redeemed, am I even good enough for you to talk to? Sometimes we're hindered because of people's sin and we let it, we let it actually hold us back from loving them. What if all true living is in meeting, as Martin Buber says? We'll never know until we try. But statistics, Surgeon General, and all of the millions of signs across our societies are screaming about how lonely, polarized, and isolated our world is. We can be intentional. And guess what? I really believe that this is a part of the abundant life that Jesus talks about. The abundant life is not in the I-it relationship. It's things, it's education, it's materialistic things that just pass away. The I-thou relationship is the thing that we all come away with life so grateful for, that it's fulfilling. I've been fulfilled as I have begun to go on this journey of discovering what it's like to sit down and be present with people I don't know and I would never try to, or be more present in relationship and connection. What if all true living is in meeting? Oh, wow, there was a lot of good deep stuff in there. Thank you, Tiffany. Well, I thank her for that preparation and Thank you so much. So we come here on Sundays to meet with one another, the tent of meeting, to meet with God. It's one hour. Oh, I meant to do the math on this. How many hours are there in a week? <laughs> I don't know, hundreds, I bet. But 
we are the church out there, not just here on Sunday, right? And so this is just a moment where we've just received so much from Tiffany. I want us to take a minute to write down three bullet points of what you received from the Lord today. Uh, it could have been worship, could have been something Stanley shared, Aaron shared, Tiffany shared, but we're going to take a moment to be quiet before the Lord with three points, okay? So let's just do that for about a minute here. This is really beautiful because if you could see it from my perspective, I, we're not distracted. We're taking a moment to really absorb. And I see smiles on people's faces and that's really beautiful because when we, when we meet with God, it usually brings joy. <laughs> if it's something, if it's guilt or condemnation, that's not Jesus. <laughs> but I want to challenge us um, because this moment is so precious and beautiful, but it's the rest of the week that is us being with one another and meeting with people where the real stuff of the kingdom happens, right? So we could just sit here and here and then just move on, or we can really say, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to take into the rest of my life? So it's not common, and sometimes it's uncomfortable in our church traditions to have that moment of silence. But as you all know, this is a time of equipping, right? And a time of growing. And so we're taking it with us. I want to challenge each one of us to share an I will statement with someone today or to ask someone, what is your I will statement from those three points? So I'm going to share mine with you all so you don't have to ask me. I'm going to start looking to see God speaking to me from other people. Cash, people at the grocery store, people um, at the library, <laughs> people here amongst us, people in my neighborhood. I'm going to start asking the Lord, Lord, how do you want to speak to me through this person? That's going to be my I will statement this week. Share your I will statement with someone. Ask somebody theirs so that we don't just, so that we grow in our experience of God this week. Does that sound good, everybody? Amen. Tiffany, can you come back up? I'm going to ask you to pray for us because you, um, you lead with this. Like, I see you doing this. You're saying the last couple of years, I have been watching you do this for years. This is one reason she's so busy is because she sits like when everybody wants to talk to her, she sits and she focuses on the person in front of her. 
So it's so beautiful that I think this is a gift you have for the church. And that it's like God's unpacking it theologically for you so that you can impart it to others. So I'm really thankful for that and say yes and amen to that. But will you pray for us to close today? Absolutely. Ah, thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us with love. We thank you so much for the unconditional love that we encounter every time we engage with you. And we thank you, Lord, that you, you went to the cross so that we could be one. Lord, and that, that you've seen a broken humanity and that you've given us the keys, Lord. You've given us the key. Lord, would you help us? And we thank you that it's simple. We thank you it's so simple, Lord. Would you help us to love our neighbors as ourselves? Lord, would you help us to see other people and to be present and to see you in them and to allow you to, even as we sang earlier, Lord, to become more aware of your presence amongst us. Lord, help us to engage, help us to meet humanity with love, every person that we encounter. And Lord, would we be so amazed by the way that you work? We thank you for your ways are higher than our, our ways yet they're so simple. We thank you for love. Lord, would you increase our capacity to love other people? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Okay, we're going to just um, say go. Go meet with people. Go live. Do true living, meeting with people this week. If you would like prayer, could our prayer team please start making your way up here? It looks like it's Jerry and Carolyn. If you would like to meet with them and have them pray with you and online, if uh, you want to reach out, we'll pray for you like we do. We'll send you an email or a text message or whatever it is and say, we're praying for you and um, go have a beautiful week in Jesus name. Amen. <laughs>